But he's looking at us and he's saying, look, if you sit in this service and you remain silent in this moment, God is going to deliver and he is a delivering God and he is a beautiful God and he is living and moving among us and he is moving toward his people and he will bring deliverance. And we're just really looking and saying not, you know, you should feel guilty. You should feel harassed. You should, here's what you should feel. Moved and convicted by the Spirit of God to say, Holy God, how do you want me to engage? Because God, I want to be a part of your deliverance. But I, I read this verse. This verse was written on a chalkboard in, the, in a child's room as they kind of portrayed it as it was from an African continent. And we were reading this verse. And I went and read around this verse and just thought, there's more powerful truth here for us. In other words, the option to disengage is costly. And that's what Edmund Burke is looking and saying to us, is that the only way evil pervades in this earth is if good people remain silent. But more than that, good people pay the price for that. Because what he says to Esther, after Esther 4.14, is if you remain silent, it will be costly for you, it will be costly for the Jews. And he writes down in just a moment, he says, and oh, by the way, it can actually cost you and your family their life. I think that's a pretty powerful thing to stop and say, seriously, pastor, are you going there? That this could be such a costly deal for us to remain silent this time. Deliverance comes from another place, but it could truly cost us. That's what he's saying actually to Esther when he says, when you're parked in the moment in such a time as this, and God seems to be moving around you, he will continue to move and it may bypass you and it will cost you greatly, spiritually, practically, and perhaps even physically. So it's, once again, it's not a service where we just kind of sit in and say, we, we don't respond. And one of the best illustrations of this uh, that I saw, it's a picture I'm going to ask for in a minute, and you've already seen it, because so you've already kind of got a giveaway right now. But there, there is a guy named Kevin Carter who in 1994 won the Pulitzer Prize. And just in case you don't understand this verse, after a verse like that, I go, what, how do, what do you mean? How does it cost me? Kevin Carter was in the Sudan, one of his primary jobs as a part of the organization he was with was to go into hurting places and photograph those places and preserve the moments. And there was one of these moments that he actually says in interviews that he took 20 minutes to set up for this photograph. And after he had completely set up for the photograph, this unbelievable moment happened where a vulture dropped down into the moment. He's in the Sudan. There is a starving little girl. She is crawling to a refugee clinic that is one kilometer away. Happens as he does that and a vulture drops in and he snaps the picture. And this picture becomes a Pulitzer Prize winner. The picture is actually popping up on our screen right now. Kevin Carter says this about himself. He says, this picture is, by the way, infamous. 1993 or 94, if you were reading any magazine, you probably saw this picture. Here's what Kevin said. He said, the deepest regret of my life is that I took the picture and I walked away. She was one kilometer. A child sitting at the very end of life. And I just can pull it off the screen now because kids are in the room and I don't want to like leave them tormented, but I think this is reality around our globe today. And when we read Esther, we read these words. It says, unless you step into the moment, Esther, because God has placed you on this earth where there are 147 million orphans, relief and deliverance is coming from the Lord. Relief and deliverance is moving. And I'm just wondering, F. Esther, how you will be involved. Because to walk away will cost you greatly. 
Kevin Carter received the Pulitzer Prize in 1994, standing in front of everyone, admired for what he had done, and yet questions pervaded. And it was not just this moment. It was depression, the overwhelming anxiety of things he had seen, and what he also said in interviews prior to taking his own life, three moments after, three months after winning the Pulitzer, as he said, I cannot handle the inaction of my life and my soul. It is not an option as we sit in this room to simply say, good service, nice moment, let's go on as we are. For the Lord sits in moments, and much as Mordecai speaks in our ears, ears, so does Peyton Jones, so does Christian Amanda Bouton, so does Bonnie and Mike Snyder. Kim Box is in the room right now, venturing all over the world doing Jesus stuff. So the Rouses, so the Turners. And I can just keep naming. So do the folks who are saying, we're, we're going to engage. We're going to step in. For the only way for evil to pervade in this world, only way for this to continue is for good people to do nothing, and that's not an answer acceptable to us. And I'm just really wondering as we begin to say, so what about you? What will be your action? I'm just beginning to wonder what God has in store for us in days ahead. I mean, Esther's action was amazing. She stepped into the deal, and the beauty of her story is the resurrection of her people and her being engaged in the kingdom of God for such a moment as this. The reality of us, and I could just paint this glowing, painful story, but the reality of is this, that if you read your stats on your profile... There are more churches than kids that need adoptive homes in Jacksonville, Florida. Are you serious? So what's God calling for us? As you read this numbers, it says 147 million orphans are around the world. Meaning hunger, food. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering how every one of us in this room, from a 16, 15, 14-year-old to the oldest in this room, will love one, will feed one, will serve one. So I end with this sentence. It, it changed my life. You ever been in one of those services when the preacher just said something that changed your life? Game changer. That moment could not be the same. He was teaching out of Galatians 2, 9 and 10 and Galatians, Galatians 6, 9 and 10 and Galatians 6, 2 and he just said, look, the scripture calls us to do and move and live for all. To do good for every person. You don't have an out. You don't, you've got to live in that tension, Mark. And you probably, Mark, are paralyzed because you can't figure out with 147 million how to be fair with your, with your stuff. You can't figure out how to engage. And he said this sentence. He said, based on Colossians 6, 9 and 10 and Galatians 6, 2, he said this. He said, Galatians 6, 9 and 10 and Galatians 6, 2, he said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, but you cannot. 147 million is overwhelming. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, what, but you can't. So, do it for one. My question today is, who's your one? And what is God asking from you? Let's pray together. God, I am thankful that you are a God of relief and deliverance.